Two Brothers, One Mike is a weekly podcast put together to help motivate and inspire our listeners both mentally and physically in the hopes of helping you be the best you. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Two Brothers, One Mike. I'm Joe, and as always, my brother Coach Tony is right up there, as well as Dr. Nicole Rentilla. Hello, Doc. How are we doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Tony, you want to take it over? Yes. Uh, wow. Um, so we have firsts for everything lately on Two Brothers, One Mike this season. We just started with uh, video, uh, but it was always just you and I, Joe, the first three or four times that we've done this now. This is our very first ever uh, video interview uh, with another individual, a third individual. Um, even though she's been on the show now, I believe five times, if I'm not mistaken, four or five times, this is our first video interview and boy, the stories we're going to be able to tell someday, uh, not today, but someday, uh, when it comes to, um, uh, the logistical, uh, just all the setting up and everything that goes into this and what we're learning as we go. Um, but nonetheless... Not just the logistical nightmares, but Murphy's Law that keeps taking place over and over and over again. Everything that could go wrong is just going wrong. But I feel like Murphy is my roommate. Uh, I really do. (laughs) Um, But nonetheless, we're overcoming that, right? We're being the best we could be, and we're overcoming that. And as Joe said with us today, uh, you guys have heard her on the show many times, and now she's here in video as well, Dr. Nicole Rentilla. And um, so, you know, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about is we mentioned in the last episode that you were on, I believe we talked about trustworthiness in that episode. We talked about um, you uh, uh, being very fond of and very passionate about two foundations that you have. And I thought that this would be a good uh, time in this particular conversation for you to let us know how those are going and maybe mention those platforms again and what they're about uh, and maybe give everybody a little more of an idea of um, what the purpose of those foundations are. And there's just another thing I want to talk to you about also after you talk about Okay. Yeah. So I founded the Rantella Scholarship Foundation um, not quite a year ago, but with all the um, legwork that goes on before everything gets going, it's been about a year. It is in memory of my sister who unfortunately passed away in a car accident nine years ago, just two weeks ago um, on August 30th. And the vision with it was that my sister was such a generous, kind, give you the shirt off your back, whatever you need kind of person. So my thought was to start a scholarship foundation to pay it forward to graduating seniors. And so in May, actually the day before her birthday, we gave out the very first Charlotte Rantella Memorial Scholarship at Girard High School. Um, to a lovely girl named Casey Carpenter, who is pursuing psychology at Kent State. So the vision of the foundation is that every year we would add a new scholarship. And, and, and along with that, well, you know, what we'd like to do is what we did in the first show, which is mm-hmm. in, this is not only video, but audio as well. So I know Joe would like to add those links again, but maybe you could yeah. also tell people what do they need to do to go to this particular site, uh, what link, and, and maybe you know get a little more understanding of it. And and I'm assuming that people can donate to this particular uh, scholarship. Absolutely. Program. So the easiest way to donate is through Venmo at RF Foundation. Um, 
R is in Rantilla, S is in Scholarship Foundation. So um, that's the easiest way to donate. Our website is not quite up and running yet, but contact information to mail me a check, to ask me more questions about it, to email me is all located on my website, which is drnicolerantilla.com. Okay. And again, we will have that link in the actual description of our podcast uh, for sure. And uh, there's a second one as well. There's another foundation as well, if you want to talk about that real quick. Um, I'm involved with the Youngstown Marathon Foundation, and we have our marathon coming up. And we every year we choose beneficiaries. And this year we chose four local beneficiaries. Everything we do with the Youngstown Marathon Foundation is for our community. We are a nonprofit, 501c3. And this year we are, all of our proceeds are donating for charities. Cadence Care Network, which helps foster children and provides services across the board for foster kids and at-risk youth. Ballet Western Reserve, which I really love because they're expanding performing arts to students who otherwise might not be able to access it. The American Heart Association to help educate and help families through, you know, everything related to cardiovascular health. And then Youngstown Blue Coats, who has, they've done a ton with us and they basically work to make sure that area veterans never have to be cold, never have to be hungry. That's awesome. What, what now this particular foundation Again, the link so that we can add that to the description of the podcast as well for that people to one, be able to learn more about this. Yep, that's an easy one. That's youngstownmarathon.com. Our beneficiaries are all listed there. You can donate through our website directly to any beneficiaries if anything um, just really speaks to you. And also know that the other ways to support what we do are to support our expo, which happens the day before the race on October 22nd. Um, you can sponsor, um, a mile marker. You can do anything that would, that helps our race. Um, and like I said, all of our funds go to putting on a fantastic community event where we have tons of local sponsors that encourages community and health on October 23rd. That's the day of our race. And again, everything we do is for our beneficiaries. Awesome. That's, uh, that's awesome. Now, do you run in this marathon? Um, I, I'm too busy on race day to actually run in it. Uh So historically, every year since I've been on the board, I run the race and turn in my time. And let me tell you, last week, or sorry, last year, I did the marathon on my own two weeks before the actual event. And it was interesting to run 26.2 miles by yourself in the park. Um, It's definitely more fun on race day. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have a particular music you were listening to? I was actually listening to my murder podcast. <laughs> well, everybody loves those podcasts. I have to start I, listening to these. I'm obsessed. And as a psychologist, I like trying to figure out what makes people do what they do, yeah. which isn't always reasonable, reasonable or rational. But yeah, so 26.2 miles with um, anatomy of murder. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's not, that, now that's something we just, we just did a podcast not that long ago about the power of music. And yeah. music on the mind and, and when it's a good idea to put on music uh, during a workout, when sometimes you want to step away from music, Absolutely. but this is a whole different ball game. Anatomy of a murder while running 26.2 miles. Um, it's, I don't know. It is what it is. When I did my Canton marathon in April, I did podcast 
for the first um, about 13, 14 miles. And then I switched to my playlist. Um, and I'm very picky about my playlist. And, you know, if I'm not feeling it one day, that song goes on the next run. So <laughs> <laughs> I got you. There was actually a, a, a third foundation uh, that dealt with skilled trades. Uh, one oh, that, that's yeah. part of the Rantella Scholarship Foundation. Okay. So the point of it, the Rantella Scholarship Foundation is meant to be an overall umbrella. And so out of Rantella Scholarship Foundation came the Charlotte Rantella Memorial Scholarship um, at Girard. And so this year, um, thanks to a generous don- donor named Tim Nash, who is a cyclist, cancer survivor, all around great guy. He donated um, $2,000 so that we could get started our very first skilled trade scholarship this year, which is two years sooner than I thought we were going to get it going. And so I wanted to do a skilled trade scholarship in honor of my father, who's pretty much the coolest guy you'll ever meet. He worked at GM for 40 years, and um, he's living testament to the power of starting you know, he used to put part of the trunk in when he started at GM in the 60s and retired as superintendent of the paint department. Um, you know, didn't have a college degree, but learned the skilled traits to get through it. So um, the plan is that, you know, now that school's back in session to get that skilled trade scholarship going. At, I want to start it at LeBray High School. My dad went to Levittsburg, which is now LeBray. Right. Um, and so that's that plan. So. Yeah. Yeah, so then after that, so we have the Charlotte Rantilla one, we'll have the William Rantilla one, and then the next plan will be probably at Sharon High School in my mom's name. That's her alma mater. I so see. every year I want to grow until I'm 80 years old and there's like a million scholarships out there. <laughs> well, I tell you what, you're well on your way, uh, for sure. I'm getting there faster than I thought I would. Yeah, and the gentleman's name again was Mr. Tim Nash. Tim Nash. So lots of love to Tim Nash and lots of appreciation who spoke so much about how skilled trades helped him come out of a life of poverty to build a life that he feels really proud of to get to travel and see the world and ride his bike. So we thank Tim Nash from the bottom of our hearts. Absolutely. Mr. Tim Nash, if you're listening to Two Brothers, One Mike, and you're listening to this particular podcast, we thank you as well for such a generous donation and helping out. And, uh, and, and so uh, we already know how busy you are, uh, but we're going to take a break for one second here. We're going to hear from our sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to talk about narcissistic behavior and the parallel universe between that and arrogance, maybe even a little confidence. So we'll be back in one second, everybody. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Two Brothers, One Mike is sponsored by Kitchen Apps, perfectly prepared portions. Hey, Youngstown area listeners, it's Joe from T-Bomb. Once again, we're talking about Kitchen Abs, but this time we're talking about their great selection of pancake mixes you can order right from their site. Now, whether you like blueberry cobbler, strawberry shortcake, they even have banana nut bread super cakes, you can rest assured Kitchen Abs has you covered. And maybe you're not a fan of all these flavors or prefer something a little more traditional then the buttermilk flavored mix would be the perfect fit for your breakfast. The best part about all of this These mixes are made from scratch with top-of-the-line ingredients that are all nutritionally balanced. And with up to 36 grams of protein per serving, you just can't go wrong. Now, for more information or to place your order, go to kitchenabs.com. That's kitchenabz.com and get started today. Welcome back, everyone. As you guys know, if you listen to the first segment, we're here with Dr. Nicole Rentella. 
And today's show, if you guys listened several weeks ago, Joe and I, um, just based on some of the research we did with a little bit of reading and, uh, and watching certain videos and trying to understand what the difference is between arrogance and confidence. And then, then we did another show about narcissistic behavior. And we thought to ourselves, this is probably the perfect idea here to bring a professional in. And why not our clinical psychologist, Dr. Nicole Rentilla, to talk about what the similarities are and what the differences are. Uh, and, and, you know, when we're looking at all three of these, I think the first thing I would want to know, and my question to you would be, what is a, a definition in its simplest terms of, of a narcissist or, you know, and how does it relate to arrogance? So, and this might be jumping ahead a little bit, but so you, you kind of have that more covert narcissism and you have overt narcissism and we'll get there, mm-hmm. but arrogance and narcissism are both going to get on your nerves and they're going to rub you the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, Arrogant, sometimes you might kind of see you. I think we're more likely to give the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, this person really believes in what they're doing. They really believe in that. Um, narcissism is kind of like arrogance on steroids, like taking it to the nth degree. Um, that really overt sense of, gosh, that person really likes him or herself. <laughs> um, so, um, arrogance and narcissism often go very hand in hand. Like, you can't be narcissistic without arrogance. But just because you're arrogant doesn't always mean that you're narcissistic. Both have in common. Honestly, the the real truth behind arrogance and narcissism is often a a big sense of insecurity that the person's trying to cover up. And and that's we we talked about that based on some of the research we did. And that again is just two guys that are just reading about it and trying to find out what we can talk about. Kind of just our opinion based on what we read uh obviously not able to dive as deep as somebody with your background can do uh understanding the human mind a lot more than we do uh so um you know when when it comes to this is it i wonder i wonder this i i I remember when i was was reading about this a few weeks ago maybe a month or so ago uh some of the research studies is it possible and maybe this is just your opinion. Yeah. Is it possible to cure narcissistic behavior? And if so, what's the what's the time range do you think that it would take for that to happen? You know what's interesting about that? I just had someone ask me this, is that if you ask the insurance company, they don't think it can be cured because they won't pay for you to go to therapy for it. <laughs> um And actually, our diagnostic manual doesn't even give us the place to diagnose personality disorders anymore, borderline, narcissistic, um, obsessive, these things that you may have heard, histrionic over the years. Um, Really, there's no pill that you can take for it. There's no, um, except for borderline personality disorder, there's no one kind of gold standard way to treat it. But if you do, if somebody really has the ability and wherewithal to say, a lot of things are going wrong with me. I got to take a look at this. Honestly, it's typically long-term therapy where the person can honestly, in a safe environment, start to explore these issues. Um, and you need to have a good a therapist who the person can trust. The number one indicator of success in therapy is a strong therapeutic alliance. 
that can be hard with people. The two, the two um, categories of diagnosis that it's hardest to have a good therapeutic alliance with are narcissistic personality disorder and borderline. They're closely related. They both have very unstable self-image. And so if the therapist inevitably at some point points out, okay, here's potentially how you could have done it differently. A lot of times that's perceived as what we call a narcissistic injury where the person's like, you don't care about me anymore. You're here to attack me. And that's that narcissistic injury, which is a huge, huge, um, you know, obstacle to therapy. Um, again, I am a believer though. I feel like if somebody's really motivated enough, they can address it. You kind of, when you were just talking about the attacking, you yeah. kind of led me right into what I wanted to ask you next. And what is a covert versus an overt narcissistic person? What, what, what is the difference between the two? So overt narcissism will kind of like knock you over the head with it. Like there's no, there's no mistaking this person really likes him or herself. Covert tends to be the people who, I think there's some awareness that humility is viewed positively. And these may be the people who are more likely to have some willingness to portray themselves as a victim or say, oh, I really goofed up there. I, I really hope you can forgive me. So sometimes the, I really think a lot of times the overt narcissist will kind of hit you over the head with it. Um, and can be abrasive and a little bit off-putting. The covert narcissists are the ones that you walk away and you're thinking, well, that just didn't kind of feel right. And how did I end up reassuring them when they made the mistake? So it's, there's a lot more passive-aggressive behaviors and attitudes with a covert narcissist. In the end, what is underneath both of them um, are a lot of insecurity and a lot of need for reassurance to feel like they're special. And, and I, I know a couple other things that I was reading about. Um, you know, I, one gentleman, and I wish I could remember the doctor's name, but um, point being, what he was talking about was the biggest difficulties he has seen, and I believe he's been practicing um, clinical psychology for 25 years now in narcissistic behavior is his specialty. And he said that one of the biggest problems is that when it comes to this particular type of behavior, it's one of the hardest to diagnose because it's the hardest personality for somebody to come forth with and say, I have this problem. Narcissists normally will not admit to that. Right. So, so narcissists tend to externalize blame to other people and Here's the here's the the funny part is that narcissists don't often like to be a victim. They would prefer your admiration over your pity. However, if feeling like they were wronged in some way and they just don't understand because they were really good to you about it, encourage them your admiration. Like, wow, that person's so insightful. They'll do it. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, a, a lot of times, and, and this is something I actually, actually, I'm going to hold off on the next thing I was just going to say to you, because I want to ask this in the second segment today, or the third segment, I should say. But let me ask you this question. You have arrogance and and, and narcissistic people, and, and you, we talk about so many similarities of their behavior. What What is one thing that might be different between somebody who's simply arrogant and somebody who is a narcissist? Somebody who's arrogant, again, they both 
you don't, an arrogant person may not be narcissistic, but a narcissistic person is typically going to present as arrogant in at least one or more situations. The difference is, is that the arrogant person, you'll, there's, I think, beams of light there, as I call them, where it's like, oh, that was really nice what they did. Um, I feel like it's it's a little easier to find some redeeming qualities in an arrogant person. Their arrogance might be relegated to only one area or one topic versus the narcissistic person is compelled to feel like they're an expert on everything. So let me ask you, I, I always say, let me ask you this, <laughs> uh, but my brain is while you're talking, my brain is working uh, because I have, I have, what would that be that you're always your brain while someone's talking, your brain is just working, trying to, trying to take in everything and absorb everything. Do you want me to diagnose you on air? Yeah, and I'm looking for a di- I don't have a couch. I can't lay on the couch and, and like stare at the ceiling. And, but um, so I, this, this is something that always, this would be something that would intrigue me. I'm somebody who wants to display confidence. I'm, I'm a leader. I'm, I'm, I'm the boss. Uh, I'm in charge of a, spe- you know, a specific project. But I'm so nervous that it's going to come off as arrogant, as narcissistic, as I know everything and they know nothing. Is there a checklist for people who want to display confidence but do it in the right way? Is there a checklist of any sort or any type that they can follow, you know, so that they can maybe check themselves and make sure they're not following the wrong path when it comes to a leadership role? So that's a good point because, like I said earlier, our culture, our, the kind of popular spirit is you have to be humble. You have to be humble. Um, and I think that that does hold some people back when we do want our leaders to be confident. We don't want our leader at work or in our community to be wavering or wishy-washy. We want our leaders to be able to take a confident stance. Um, so it becomes important to know the difference in that if you are speaking on something and you have experience, if you have research, if you have wherewithal behind you, I think that's where it all starts is what is my experience? Am I willing? Am I able to come before people and share what I know? And also here's the second part of that. Everyone is happy to talk. Are you willing to converse? Are you willing to communicate? Because arrogance is you need to hear what I have to say, and I have no interest in what you have to say back. Confidence is, here's what I have to say. What's your take on it? What are your thoughts? Confidence is the ability and willingness to change your mind if you're given new information. Gosh, I mean, I can think of the prevailing attitudes on anything from you know, autism to depression to anxiety when I was in graduate school. Well, that was a long time ago. Things have changed. And I, I don't know that I would fare as well in this community as a practitioner if I wasn't willing to adapt new ideas as new information was presented. Um, that's a huge one. So I think another thing with people is, can you recognize what your goal is? Is your goal to try to get people to view things the way you do? Is your goal to be able to have a common understanding? Those are two very different things. If we have a common understanding, it means that perhaps you adapt some of my views. I also adapt some of yours too. 
So if your goal is to make people believe just what you want to believe, that's going to go towards arrogance. So knowing what your goal is, is your goal collaboration? Is it compromise? Those are some good things to ask yourself. That all falls into emotional intelligence, which as you guys know, I love talking about how self-aware are you? Are you aware when you get angry or heated and know when to pull that back so that it doesn't become a barrier to communication? Um, and overall, do you have an attitude of growth? Because confident people have an attitude of growth. Arrogant people want things the way they know them and the way that they can master. I, I what you, Everything you were just talking about was reminding me in college, I took a class called Human Behavior and Organization. And in that class, it's more of a business class, but it was trying to teach you as a manager uh, one of the most important concepts in leadership role when it comes to confidence is teaching people self-actualization, which basically for those who don't realize what that is, to put it simply, teaching people to realize their self-worth and how important they are in the planning and the goal setting in the organization to make it a success. Um, and so, you know, I, I know with auto working, that's hard to do. Because you have, you know, you have people who they feel like all I do is put a nut here and a bolt there and, and I plug this in and that's all I do all day. So it takes a special kind of leader to explain to them how important that operation is. And it takes somebody who is not arrogant. um, And obviously narcissistic behavior is not going to work uh, when it comes to trying to motivate somebody to understand the importance uh, and, and having confidence in yourself, I think is extremely important in that, that particular situation. So that's, that's good stuff. Um, what we're going to do now real quick is we're going to take uh, one more uh, quick break to hear from our sponsor. When we come back, I have a couple of interesting questions for Dr. Nicole Rentilla. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Two Brothers, One Mike is sponsored by YSN, your sports network. Loyal, local, live. Hey everyone, it's Joe from Two Brothers, One Mike. For all of our sports enthusiasts out there from the Northeast Ohio and Western Pennsylvania area with busy schedules, we know you can't always make it to the big game. Well, we have some great news for you. Now is your chance to listen or watch your favorite high school teams compete on the YSN Network. Covering multiple sports from more than 50 area high schools, as well as Youngstown State University Baseball and the Mahoney Valley Scrappers, and so much more. What's that? No longer live in the Northeastern Ohio or Western Pennsylvania area? No problem. You can go to YSNlive.com on any browser or download the YSN Live app, available on both the App Store and Google Play. So you can listen wherever you'd like to start your sports binge and streaming experiences today. Now back to our podcast. Welcome back, everybody. So two questions uh, to end today's show, and that could be 20 minutes long. Uh, um, My first question is this. Is there a little narcissistic behavior in all of us? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Such a general question, I know. Uh, what, I mean, what are your thoughts yeah. on that? What's your next question? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so there is a German psychologist who brought about the theory of narcissism and um, Heinz Kohut. And 
when I, it's funny because when I was in grad school, I really gravitated to his research and his theories. And what he talks about is that every baby is born with narcissistic needs. And he's not talking about them in it with any pejorative or negative sense, that we all have narcissistic needs when we're born. We rely completely on somebody else to take care of every single one of our needs when we're first born. And that's the self. Narcissist means self, you know, comes from the Greek word. So when you move on from that, um, what the parent's job is, is to provide what he calls like good enough parenting. Like most of the time when you cried, I got you your bottle. Most of the time when you were wet, I got that diaper clean right away, right? And so we talk about that because no parent is ever, how great you are, is going to meet every single need. Well, so we, it's rooted in that. It, that's a good thing that a child learns from infancy on that needs are going to be met. And so that kind of sets the stage, though, moving forward, how those needs are met, how the child's personality is, to how well they meet their own needs and how much they rely on somebody else to meet those needs. When those needs are met in a, what we call a good enough, which is, that's not bad. It means that most of the time your parents got your back, every once in a while they didn't, and that, and that made you stronger, Right. Um, but just like we know we can't get our way a hundred percent of the time. We got to learn how to manage the times we don't. So we all have narcissistic needs to feel heard, to feel seen. Kohut talked about, we needed to be idealized and we need to be mirrored. We need to have somebody see us and be like, Hey, you know what? You're a really good podcaster. You really are. And to have someone say, you know, like one of your kids say, you're the coolest dad ever. Like that feels good, you know? So just like when I have a little kid come in today and say, you're the best doctor I ever met in the whole world. That we, it feels good. You can't deny it. You know, um, when you get compliments, they feel good. So it's where you take that, that determines if it's healthy and in the realm of just normal human needs, or does it go far beyond? Understood. I mean, that's very understandable. And so, yeah. so it's a learned behavior. It's, it's based, it's learned, it comes out of early experiences of, you know, having needs met or unmet. And just because some a child's needs are not met doesn't always mean they'll be a narcissist because I work a lot with foster children who've had severe neglect and abuse. And many of them have a resilience to work through that and say, I'm going to be really independent and give back and, and really master that. So and, and resilience is something which that would be a super cool show to do because resilience is something that you are born with, yet you got to make the most of it. Well, there you have it, Joe. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> Put that in our notes. Resilience. And and with with all the information that you've given today, and I'm sure that we could probably sit here for four hours and oh, and yeah. and go on about this. There's one more thing I want to do today uh, at the end of the show. Now, we have talked in the past that there will be an episode at some point where we will face off in some type of 80s debate of some sort. <laughs> yeah. So that's coming at some point, and we'll figure out the logistics and everything behind that. But for fun today, in our show that Joe and I did about narcissistic behavior, we did a little 80s segment in the beginning where I talked about some characters who played a role in a movie that was okay. very narcissistic. 
If you had, I want to see if you name any of the characters that I did. Oh, you think about it. So, like, like I said, this, there's no wrong answer here. Can you think of when you think about '80s uh, movies, and even if even if it's the '90s, uh, can you think of some characters that played a narcissistic role? And I want to see if we, by chance, came up with the same ones. I had five, I think. I think Michael Douglas in Wall Street. You got that one. No, but he's in one of the movies, though. But yes, I can I can absolutely agree with that. Michael Douglas definitely in Wall Street. Okay, that's a good one. Oh my gosh, you should have let me think about this. No. <laughs> um. Gosh, what other one was Michael Douglas? And it was a movie with Michael Douglas, but we thought one of the other leading roles played more of a. Are you talking about romancing this, not romancing the stone, um, the one where they're divorced? The War of the Roses? No. no. I, Joe, what were you going to say? What are you going to say, Joe? Oh, no, no, no. So she was, she was going down the right track when she said about divorce. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I wanna, this one I'm going to tell her, and I want to, maybe we got that wrong. I want to know. Glenn Close. Oh, get, Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction. Yeah. You're close, but Glenn Close was absolutely a raging borderline. Okay, so so more borderline than narcissistic. Yeah. So okay. back when we used to diagnose personality disorder, there was cluster A, B, and C. Okay. okay. Um, and B is the personality disorder. Cluster B is the ones with like um, grandiose personalities that are underscored by very large insecurities and so just like remember when i said like a narcissist prefers not to be pitied they want to be admired and they have a duty for admiration a borderline will take your attention any way they can get it they will fall down the stairs in front of you and be Uh. hurt so that you feel bad for them they will take your attention any way that they can get it narcissists tend to oftentimes have more stable personality and relationships because people just take it or leave it borderlines have majorly unstable relationships and glenn close shows you why uh yeah um as i said to joe i think when that movie came out uh men cheating on their wives was at an all-time low uh when that particular movie came out <laughs> right <laughs> um so my number one i could tell you this was in terms of narcissistic behavior, was Dabney Coleman as Mr. Hart in the movie Nine to Five? Did you ever see that movie with Dolly Parton? It was so long ago, though. Well, it's like I think it's a 1981. Uh, is that movie? Yeah. Um, there in was my that. Defense, I was very young then, but I did see it at a later time. <laughs> um, now here's one: Al Pacino as Scarface. Did you ever see that particular movie? Yes. I would agree with you. I would agree with you. Joe, did we mention any more that in that in that uh, good particular film is from the eighties? It is. Eighty eight. Nineteen eighty eight. You see go oh, quick. You see a lot of narcissism in that. And I think with like Henry Hill, mm-hmm. you see um there is some sense of humility, but you can see how the circumstances around it just inflated his ego so much. Like Joe Pesci too, I mean they thought they were just absolutely untouchable. So they acted like it. But it, here's the thing is within that culture of the mafia, 
it was valued. Have so you ever? You had confidence go too far. Yeah. Have you listened yet to the podcast Crooked City? The no, Crooked that's Town on my list. It's Crooked City. Is it Crooked City? Are those? Or is it Crooked Town? I'm not sure which no, one it is. That I've been listening it's crooked to. City. Crooked um, City. Crooked City. Crooked City. Okay. Yeah. Crooked City is the Youngstown one. So I'm working on the murder, uh, the Murdoch Murders podcast right now. Which, if you guys know about Alex, there's a narcissist, Alex Murdoch, um, who just the list of crimes and the litany of there. So that one's been fascinating me, and Crooked City is up next. Okay. Okay. But yeah, that would definitely be one you want to listen to in the near future on any 26.2 mile run that you may be doing. Crooked City, I think, I think it draws in Youngstown people because you hear the names and you relate. Um, Absolutely. I think that's why I thought, yeah, Yeah. it's, uh, it's a lot about him. I think that's why I was thinking Crooked Town because Youngstown. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not wrong. (laughs) I'm not wrong. Yeah, I think the only other one we thought of, and, and I, I don't know if you've seen this movie. We we talked about Arthur Dudley Moore. Uh, I and, love Arthur. Yeah, Arthur. He was an alcoholic. <laughs> he's an alcoholic than anything, but there was definite there's definite narcissistic behavior. And there are again, I know we're being funny, but there's a lot of high rates of substance abuse and addiction with narcissists because there's a huge deficit in dealing with emotional difficulties. So alcohol solves that problem real quick. Right. Not oh, really, that's it. Okay. So that's interesting. Sure. High um, rates of comorbidity and substance abuse and personality disorders, especially narcissism. So, I, I mean, so we, we've, we've tried to today, what we try to do was try to explain um, to the best of, well, we, we, we went along for the ride. Dr. Nicole <laughs> Rantella explained to the best of her professional abilities about um, narcissism and arrogance and the parallel universe they're in, the differences that they may have. And if you're somebody who's looking for confidence, um, what you can do to make sure that you stay away from those two realms. Um, and again, I wish I could remember the numbers that the doctor that I read about uh, when he said the percentages of people that will actually come forward with narcissistic behavior and oh, it's say, quite low. yeah, and say, I have this, I need help. Um, but they were very low. Um, I, and so, you know, I, I think what I really learned today was when we talked about narcissistic behavior and you explained how there is a little bit in all of us and what that means. Uh, I asked such a general question. Uh, so we we appreciate that as well, and we appreciate you playing along on the. I'll always play. I'll always play along. Yeah, but that's it for today, um, Joe. We have a fantastic interview coming up next week. Who is that with? So next week we're going to have a fantastic interview with Marco Pasqua. He's a successful Canadian motivational speaker, entrepreneur, uh, athlete, and go figure. Actually, has won how many gold medals? 22 gold medals with cerebral palsy. Uh, you know, we, we've talked to Marco several times now. We do, uh, the Zoom chat was fantastic. Uh, and I think what everyone is going to be um, intrigued by is how we found Marco Pasqua. He was on Hulu's Back in Time, which was a show, a documentary all about Back to the Future. He happened to have grown up in the same time as my children Fox. So when I saw him on the interview, I saw what he had accomplished 
with his limitations, which I put that in quotes because mm-hmm. it don't look like from what we've seen and what we've talked to him about and what you're going to see in this interview, limitations is far from his vocabulary. Yeah, he's, he's uh, far from limited. Uh, he's also, is he also not, uh, in charge of one of the foundations as well for? Uh, well, he has, he has so many different foundations. He's not in charge of any foundations with Michael J. Fox. Um, grew up in the same town with Michael and knows his nephew real well. Uh, and, uh, there's a, there's a, a specific reason why the director of Back to the Future and the producers wanted him on the show. So we'll talk all about that in the interview next week. All right, until then, I want to remind all of you, be sure to give us a review on your favorite podcast service. Also, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, or opinions, you can leave us a voice message via the link in this episode's description. And finally, remember to join us each week as we release new episodes every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, on behalf of Coach Tony, Dr. Nicole Rantilla, and myself, thanks for listening and watching and listening and watching. Thank you so much, Dr. Nicole Rantella. See everybody. Be the the best you. We'll see you next week.